Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. In this episode, you'll discover how my guests built three companies in a few short years using one of the simplest approaches to cold email I've ever seen, and all without being a natural born salesperson. First Name and Insider's Guide to Outbound Sales. This is the number one podcast for proven cold outreach tactics that get replies and book meetings so you can quickly grow MRR without wasting time on things that don't work. Can you imagine one minute listening to Ty Lopez at a Grant Cardone conference and a few short years later building three different businesses and being a successful full-time entrepreneur? My guest in today's episode did just that. He used cold email to create a popular business podcast, then a Facebook ads agency, and then went all in on cold email and built three businesses in the space. In the second half of the interview, you'll get a crash course on the simplest way to build a high converting cold email campaign complete with benchmarks that you should aim for in each part of the campaign. And if you're looking to build your business or grow your sales pipeline using cold email and you want advice, guidance, and support from over 2,500 other agency owners, SaaS founders, and others who are doing the same, go to morgandwilliams.com community to join the Cold Outreach Mastery Facebook group. It's free to join. I'm in there, always dropping value, and it's a great place to level up your results with cold outreach. And if Facebook's not your thing, you can get tons of value by joining my newsletter, Head over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and enter your best email address. By the end of this episode, you'll know what it takes to quickly spin up a cold email campaign that works. Now let's get to today's episode. Andre Heichel is the co-founder of three different companies in the B2B lead generation agency space. KnowledgeX, which is the most advanced B2B lead gen system for email marketing agencies providing on-demand sales meetings for its clients. ListKit which provides hyper-personalized B2B contact lists delivered straight to your inbox in 24 hours, and Client Ascension, which is a coaching program for agency owners wanting to add 10K to 20K a month to their revenue. Andre, I originally came across you on Twitter, and I would say you're most known for your Twitter presence. Would you agree? Yeah, that's actually the only social media platform that I spend time on now, so happy you found me there. For sure. How much would you say Twitter has helped you as an entrepreneur? Pretty dramatically. Um, I've been an entrepreneur now for three or four years. So I have pretty vast history of tried and and failed ventures. Uh, And it wasn't really until I joined Twitter in last April, so a little over 12 months ago, that I really started to get traction and I guess have business success pretty consistently. So yeah, Twitter uh, was definitely a turning point for everything I've been working on. Cool. Now, what were you doing before you started your companies? 
You mentioned you had like a few adventures. Take us back to like that place. Yeah, so I was kind of raised in an entrepreneurial family. So my dad was an immigrant from Lebanon, so he wasn't very uh, good with education. And so he went the entrepreneur path. And then on my mom's side, uh, my grandpa and his sons started a bunch of different small businesses and had sold over a hundred million dollars worth of businesses. So like I was just raised in this entrepreneurial family. And your blood. Yeah, it was in my blood. And and I guess growing up, that was what I was surrounded by. And so I had aspired to build something similar to what my dad and my grandpa, like the two biggest figures in my life, have built for themselves and their families. So I was always attracted to entrepreneurship. And some of my first ventures were as simple as buying and reselling limited sneakers, like big Kanye West fans. So I would buy and resell his sneakers. Uh, big Jordan fans, so I'd buy and resell their sneakers. And so I started to learn just like basic economics of like the flip life, like Gary Vee uh, refers to it as. And then I started to get into the agency space because that was the easiest point of entry and there wasn't much startup capital required and it was essentially selling a skill set. Uh, and I did that for two or three years before I really started to have success uh, and learned a bunch of lessons along the way that I think applied. So really when I jumped on Twitter, reaffirmed everything that I thought I had learned and the rest is, uh, I guess, what we'll talk about. (laughs) For sure. So jumping into the agency space, when did you first become aware of the agency space? Like what happened and like when it clicked, like this is for me? It's pretty funny. Like the first I think I heard about the agency space was at a conference called 10X, uh, like Grant Cardone's conference in Miami. At the time, I couldn't even remember what I was trying to do back then. But uh, I heard from a guy named Ty Lopez, which a lot of people know. That was the first time I heard of him. He was one of the speakers. And his whole keynote was just about like SMMA, which was social media marketing. And he was just saying how you could go to all these local businesses and pitch them, you know, two or $3,000 a month to run their Facebook ads. And here's how you run the ads. And it was such a simple concept that I could get really, really good at Facebook ads or social media in general, and then go to these businesses in my area and pitch them on it because no one else was doing this at the time. And so that was like my first introduction to the agency space. And I just really liked the concept because it was as simple as sales, and fulfillment. And if you could figure out both those things, you could have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. What obstacles did you face in the beginning? The biggest obstacle that I faced and that I still face today is sales. I hated selling. I was never good at it. Still not. That was just one thing I could never get past is signing clients consistently going. And I remember I went into a local business like in-person sales is even more scary than selling through Zoom or on the phone. And For I sure. went in person and i would have meetings with the owners of like restaurants and small businesses in our area which is a pretty poor area too so like these businesses are not accustomed to spending thousands of dollars on marketing each month pitching these packages i got a lot of rejection and that kind of decreased my confidence in what i was doing and it wasn't until i went into like the virtual space like the online world where i was able to tap into a customer base that could afford our offer and actually see the value but also it wasn't until I brought on a co-founder at my agency and all the businesses that I'm currently working on to do all the sales. Like I'm not involved in the sales process at all at this point. Gotcha. So you figured out pretty quickly that you don't like selling, but you knew it was important. You're pitching these packages locally and it sounds like the market just wasn't a fit for what you were selling, right? And moving it into online and then finding a co-founder to work with. So 
You mentioned you moved online and found a market who could afford what you were selling. So were you selling ads, like ads management at this point? Yeah, we were doing like Facebook ads management. But what I really started to get good at was Instagram. So at the same time, I was doing a podcast with one of my friends from college. And every week we would interview entrepreneurs that we looked up to and wanted to learn more about their stories. And so we got on Instagram to kind of build a following around our podcast and our community. And we did a really good job of growing that. Uh, And we had a website. And so we essentially built like this really nice brand around our podcast. And everyone that we would interview on our podcast was impressed by it. And so we thought to ourselves, why not help other people do what we just did with our podcast? Put together a really nice website and put together a strategy to grow on social media. And at the time, the focus was Instagram. And so that's kind of how our offer was was formed, was through the podcast. Gotcha. So that was the offer that you took online, was that podcast grow through social media. Nice. Exactly. Yeah, because we would just interview these super successful entrepreneurs on Zoom and we you could find thousands of these people like mm-hmm. there it was an unlimited supply and we had a really good offer which was let's just get on a podcast. We didn't even have to sell anything. Cuz once we got on the podcast they'd want to learn more about us cuz we were younger, we were in college, they wanted to find some ways to support and that's what led to like this new offer formation. Very cool. So where did that take you that podcast? So the podcast, we did that almost 200 interviews. So like we did that for quite a while, had tons of great connections and experiences as a result. But the biggest takeaway from the podcast was that we needed to do something that provided more consistent cash flow because the podcast was just an expense, really. Mm -hmm. And it was more of a passion play. And we didn't really have anything outside of the podcast. And the podcast took up so much time because we were doing it so often that we decided let's stop the podcast and figure out based on everything we learned from almost 200 guest interviews, what can we do ourselves to kind of create our own interview and eventually get interviewed on other podcasts, which is pretty cool to see that's kind of happening now, little by little. There you go. And so, yeah, from there, we just decided like, let's go all in on the agency space and try to get that up to a certain revenue to the point where we don't have to go looking for jobs once we graduate school. This was all while I was in school too. So like it was a lot of part-time on the side type of stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that was really the goal is cut the podcast, go all in on an agency and figure it out from there. Gotcha. So you just decided with your co-founder or your co-host, co-founder, hey, let's just go all in on this agency and basically see what we can do before we graduate essentially. Yeah, exactly. We had set specific goals that we wanted to accomplish. But I think what happened was when we were doing the podcast and when we were doing the agency, even my prior experience with the agency was like cash flow is so important. Having an ROI driven offer is so important and having something that's unique and different than what everyone else is talking about and offering is important. And then having the credibility and the track record or proven success to back it all up is very important. And we didn't really have that with social media because social media, there wasn't really a way to tie in direct ROI. And so we had to kind of look in in different areas for how do we readjust the service. Got it. And so this agency, this is going all in on the agency. This was still Facebook ads or did you move into cold email at this point? So this is when we decided to move into cold email because we weren't super passionate about Facebook ads. We really weren't 
doing them at all to be honest like very little maybe to promote certain episodes of our podcast or when we were trying to launch a course every now and then whatever we don't have too much experience or again proven success writing facebook ads so it didn't make too much sense to sell it even though that was like everyone in the market and it wasn't unique at the time and now everyone was doing facebook ads sure it's like they are today and so there was no uniqueness to it so we kind of had to look at what else can we do and we looked at uh, what we did for the podcast, actually, one thing that we were always really good at and that people were always impressed by is how we were able to get high level guests on our podcast consistently as two college students that were in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like we didn't have any social relevance at the time, yet we continued to attract really high level guests. And the way we did it was through sending cold emails, actually. So Christian and I, my co-host, we would just both send like 10 or 20 cold emails and cold DMs to potential guests that we'd love to have on the show every day. And then out of 10 to 100 messages, we'd get one to say yes. And then once that person says yes, we'd get them on the show. And then now we could have them as like a case study, like, hey, we got this person on the show. Would you like to be one of our next guests? And that would just start the whole process. Yeah. Get one cool kid. And then another cool, yeah. and then it's easier to get all the other cool kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just like with anything. So like you're seeing now, like through these different experiences, we were picking up on these really, really key life lessons of influence and sales that we could apply to what we're doing now. But yeah, we identified cold email as this thing that we were really good at. And we learned more and more about it and figured out like you could do cold email for agencies. And so we actually used cold email to get our first agency clients. And then at the time, our offer was still like ads and social media, but we pretty soon after just pivoted to helping other businesses with their cold email because that was a really big need in the marketplace and something that we actually knew we could help with. Yeah. And for the person who's listening to this, who is working on building an agency or maybe they're doing cold email on their full-time job, like I think it's really important to highlight that at every step you are kind of using, even though you're pivoting a little bit here or there, you're using a skill that you've gained kind of while doing your last thing and like building upon it. So you're not switching completely from one thing over here to the next thing over here that's completely different. You're kind of building on top of it. I think that's kind of cool how you layered that in. So yeah. you have this cold email agent. You've gone completely to cold email. Now you're helping other businesses with cold email. How do you find clients What's like your offer? How does that start up? Yeah. So we found our initial clients through really like our podcast network. Up to that point, we had interviewed around 200 podcast guests. And so that was an easy target for us to start with because we had built up really good relationships with a lot of those guests. So if I remember correctly, we were probably able to bring in two or three clients from just our podcast network. And going back to what you said, it's just laying the, the groundwork. That's all we were doing for two or three years was laying this foundation and, and collecting all these business lessons that we could then apply to what we do going forward. So we got clients through our own network uh, and through our other social media channels. I think also in the beginning, it was just a grind. Like there wasn't really any strategy behind getting clients. It was just like, get clients however you can. Send emails, send DMs on social media, ask around uh, friends and family, go door knocking, like whatever it took to get clients. Our idea was let's just get a bunch of clients early on and figure out who is this actually valuable to, like the service. And we did it in a way too where our initial agency was all performance based. So it was a really easy offer for people to say yes to because they didn't have to pay us unless they got 
the result that they originally came to us for, which at the time was like a, a lead. And so we would tell people, like, we'll do this whole setup. It's very new, right, up front about it. We have a small team. We're testing it out. You only pay us if we get you a lead. And so that's how we initially tested it out. We got up to around 10 or 20 clients after a few months. And our next breaking point was figuring out, like, okay, we're doing cold email for restaurants. We're doing cold email for agencies. We're doing cold emails for, like, all these different types of businesses. And even though cold email, it's the same service across the board, the strategy is so different for every single client, which made it really hard for us to scale. And so we basically identified like a specific niche or type of business that we really knew how to do cold email for, which was the agency owner. Because we ourselves were agency owners, we had done it for ourselves, and we had done it for a few other agency owners as clients really successfully. And so we just went all in on that niche and we're able to then systematize the agency, build up relevant case studies, actually run effective cold email campaigns ourselves because we knew who's specifically to target. Yeah. Very cool. So now you're an agency that's helping other agencies with their cold email. So I imagine a lot less, less education needed there on like what you're offering, how it's helpful. And like you said, it's easier for you to systematize because you're helping one type of client. So high level, like, What's your winning formula for cold email? What are some things that you keep in mind for building winning campaigns? Yeah, great question. Uh, And I think we've been doing this for two or three years now. And my answer would probably vary over the course of two or three years. But over the past like six months, I've had pretty much the same answer to this question, which to me feels like I've finally cracked the code and figured it out. The number one takeaway is just to simplify. And this goes for anything in business. The more you can simplify things, the more scalable and effective it'll actually become. But for cold email specifically, the way I simplify it is there's really three phases to focus on and they have to be done in this specific order, otherwise it won't work. Uh, And the first thing is deliverability. That's as simple as saying, how do you ensure that your emails are actually being delivered? Surprisingly, almost 95% of cold emailers can't figure that part out. Their emails are Mm. delivering to spam, their accounts are getting shut down by Google, They're not able to send enough emails per day to make it an effective strategy because of volume constraints. And so deliverability is, it sounds simple in theory, but through cold email, it's the technical aspect of cold email that scares a lot of people away, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. It's not an easy thing, but deliverability is the first thing you should focus on. And there's multiple different strategies that you can implement. The most common are setting up the email account properly. There's guides on this, basically any cold email sending platform has a guide on how to set up an email account the right way. And so I would follow that. I'd use a warm-up tool. Again, a lot of these cold email platforms have warm-up tools. That's just saying if you have a new email account because it's brand new, that's what you do for cold email is you set up a brand new email account, like warm it up, put it into a network of other email accounts where they just exchange emails back and forth until someone, and if it lands in spam, it automatically pulls it out. So that's the warm-up process. And then the other thing that people don't talk about at all is the scalability of cold email is so underutilized. People will just set up one cold email account, set up one sending tool and start campaigns. When you have this opportunity to set up 10 or even 100 cold email accounts, like why only set up one? You could even do three to start or five. Uh, And so I always recommend my clients to set up anywhere from three to 10 cold email accounts right away in the beginning because that's going to allow them to scale confidently and not put any 
pressure on just one domain. Because if you're sending from just one domain or one cold email account and something happens to that account, automatically your campaigns are done. You have to start over. Mm-hmm. If you have 10 domains and two of them to go down, you're still able to run pretty smoothly. And so multiple domains. And spin up two new ones while Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you could spin up two new ones without having to wait two weeks for those to actually be mm-hmm. back up to full health. And you could then pause the sending from the other two. And if you do that for long enough, they're most likely going to get back up to health anyways. The biggest breakthrough for us was multiple domains. And just most people never even think of that. A great sending tool that allows you to send from multiple inboxes is QuickMail. It'll literally just rotate. You don't have to like assign certain inboxes to campaigns. You just add all your inboxes and it'll automatically assign task depending on the limits and everything else. Nice. So that's the first thing. The second thing is targeting. So now that you know your emails are actually being delivered to the inbox, you want to focus on who are you actually sending these emails to. Again, a lot of people have a pitfall here because they don't get targeted enough or they don't verify the emails or they're not sending to the decision makers. And so there's a lot of layers that go into this, which is why I started ListKit, which is one of the companies you had mentioned, which is just a B2B personalized leads list provider. And that service is great because it's not just a delivery of like, here's your leads list. It's more so helping you to define your ICP, which is your ideal client profile. And so a lot of businesses that work with us in the very beginning, they can't really tell us who they ideally want to work with. So they don't even know who their target market is. And a service or a tool like ListKit will help you to define that because it'll ask you the right set of questions that elicit the answers that define your target market. And so targeting is as simple as really having a deep understanding of who you want to work with. So for us, for our agency, we want to work with agency owners. More specifically, we want to work with email marketing agency owners. So people that sell email marketing. So these are different keywords we could search for. And we've worked with enough of these to know that the agencies that actually hire and a cold email agency instead of an SDR or sales employees, there is a difference, are usually agencies between zero to a hundred thousand dollars in monthly revenue once they start to get past that they usually start to do internal hires and they don't really want to talk to an agency but Mm -hmm. between that so like you see how like i very much define in detail who we target and then decision makers we know that at agencies the owners the founders the ceos the vps of sales the cmos of the world those are the ones making a decision about whether or not they want to buy our offer and so we want to target them specifically rather than a marketing intern that has no business deciding how much to spend on a cold email campaign. That's the time waster. And I think it's important to point out that not only did you define it like zero to 100K monthly revenue, like what that is, but why? Because you're saying, hey, once they get above that mark, they're probably looking higher in the house. They have the money to bring on someone full time to help them. So I think that's an important distinction too, is not just, hey, zero to 100 sounds good. It's like, no. There's a business need driving them looking for someone like the clients I service rather than hiring in-house. Yeah. And this is the thing in the beginning when people start an agency, they're always like, who should I target? Like, And they'll just like kind of like close their eyes and pick out of a hat. Yep. And then they'll be like, oh, like I'm going to target plumbers because it's super specific. But like, there's no reason for you to target plumbers other than the fact that you're trying to be niche down. Mm-hmm. So if you like, are catching on to this whole podcast, it's an overarching story that got me here working with agency owners. It wasn't just like I picked it out of a hat and I'm like, okay, agency owner, sounds good. Let's target them. Like, like you said, if, if you ask the question why and don't have an answer to it, you should probably go back to the drawing board. 
for sure. You want to actually understand why you're doing things. Otherwise, when you go back and you look at campaigns that aren't working and aren't getting results, you're not going to understand why because you never understood why you did it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So totally. that's super important. And then so the third phase to wrap it up for cold email strategy, you have deliverability, you have targeting. The third thing is messaging. And messaging is all about now that your emails are delivering to the inbox and you're getting in front of decision makers at companies you want to work with, how do you get them interested in your offer and wanting to talk to you further? And what's worked really well for us when it comes down to messaging is personalization, I think is really important. And then simplicity, like saying less is more in cold email. You get a lot of email. I personally seen a lot of cold emails that are just like paragraphs long that most people, including myself, don't even give a chance. Like they're not even going to read once they see how much there is to read. So if you could use and implement some form of personalization and keep it really short and have a really good offer, that's like number one, like your offer has to actually be good. Like, what are you doing? What are you offering to these businesses? Are you, are you offering to increase the revenue? Are you offering to help their sales process? You have to have a really attractive ROI driven offer that's going to get their attention and then a clear call to action. A lot of people like will do all these things right. They'll personalize. They'll have a great offer. They'll keep it simple, but they won't have a clear call to action. Meaning whoever you just called email has no idea what to do next to take action on this. So have a a clear call to action, which through cold email is always just going to be let's hop on a call. If you're selling B2B services like high ticket, you're always going to need a call between the email and the sale to actually make the sale happen. And then the other thing with messaging as well, this kind of falls under the same umbrella is following up. A lot of people will send one email and if they don't get a response, they move on to the next prospect, which is a complete waste of a prospect because there are statistics and studies out there that show like every single follow-up increases your chance of getting a response by like 20%. So in theory, you should send like unlimited follow-ups but there is a diminishing return. We've seen after five follow-ups, it starts to kind of have a negative impact and fall off. So come up with five emails in a sequence that go out over the course of two or three months to send out to every single prospect. And if you do that, you'll make the most of every single prospect in your campaign. Very cool. What are metrics that you track? What do you target? Like, let's say if it's either open rate, reply rate, meeting book rate. Yeah, so this definitely varies by industry and by strategy. But what we've seen is a good benchmark like in the B2B space. So if you're selling like B2B high ticket services, you should be closing one high ticket deal for every 1000 prospects you reach out to. And so that's what like 0.1% of people you reach out to through cold email is actually going to turn into a client. The nice thing with Mm -hmm. cold email is to send a thousand prospects through a sequence. Like at our agency, that's only going to cost them like $3,000. And most high ticket service providers or B2B agencies have a lifetime value that's 10x what we charge. And we're an agency, so obviously we charge up and that's because we get results and we're consistent and whatever else, but you could do it for a lot cheaper. And so cold email is really inexpensive. It's it's a great, inexpensive, consistently reliable lead gen channel. Mm-hmm. But the metrics to look at for us is we always want to see at least a 50% open rate most of our campaigns are 70 to 90%, but 50% is a good benchmark. Out of the people that actually open email, we want at least 10% of them to reply. And again, that's people that open the email because if they never open the email, they're not going to reply. 
Right. Out of the people that reply, I don't hear this one too often, but out of the ones that reply, you want at least a fourth of them or a quarter of them to be interested. So you should assume three out of every four replies are going to be negative, telling you either to unsubscribe, stop sending emails, stop spamming, whatever else. And then out of the one out of every four that are interested, half of those you should be converting to a call booked on your calendar. So even if they say they're interested and they say they want to get on a call, 50% of the time you're not actually going to get them on a, on a call. They're going to change their mind. You're not going to be able to track them down through follow-ups. You're not going to be able to find a time that works. Once they hear more about your service, they're no longer interested in speaking further. right? So half of those you're going to turn into a call on calendar. And then from the calls on calendar, you're going to close about one in every five. And so if you do the math after a thousand prospects going down that funnel, you're likely to close one, maybe even two high ticket deals for every two thousand or for every one thousand prospects. I love that. You know that right down the line. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. One high ticket deal for every one thousand prospects. So your company charges three K to do that campaign for folks. What do you consider high ticket like range or I guess just say like minimum then what's a minimum high ticket deal? In your yeah, life? I think like $1,500 a month is, is a good starting point for a high ticket service. But I think lifetime value of at least $10,000 is what's even more important. So you could charge even $500 a month. But if you know you're going to retain that client for five years, it's pretty high ticket. If you're going to charge $5,000 and retain them for three months, that's high ticket. I look more so instead of at the monthly value, more so look at the lifetime value. Mm-hmm. And if that's at least five figures, some even will go into the six figure range. That's what I would consider high ticket. Like when we qualify someone to work with our agency, their LTV has to be at least five to six figures. What is the typical lifetime value for your agency? That's a great question. So for our agency, I would say we're retaining clients. Cold email has a lot of churn. Oh, sure. Because sales processes are not very consistent, especially in the agency space. But I would say if I had to guess, our LTV would be over 25000 We're retaining clients maybe for 6 to 12 months. And then we're either upselling them into a bigger package or we're downselling them into really just selling them the system that we've built, kind of handing it off. That's what usually happens with cold email is once you do it for long enough, it's kind of like a set it and forget it where there's not much work involved on our end other than building a new leads list and optimizing the scripts based on the previous month's campaign data. And so you could kind of just hand it off as an asset or as a system to the client and let them take it from there. Why didn't you give up on your idea throughout all this? What kept you going? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, again, like raised in like an entrepreneurial family, like I've been surrounded by like very successful entrepreneurs my whole life and I've got to see firsthand like the work ethic that goes into it and I know even now I'm, I'm still very very new to this stuff and I'm very young and so I'm just getting started and I, I say this every day like I'm still just getting started like you haven't even seen anything yet and I think that's been a good motivation for me is I've kind of been able to lengthen the time horizon because I've been around older and more successful people And then also for me, I have a lot of people that work with me. Like I have two co-founders and then we have a pretty large team of other people that work with us. And I feel like it's my obligation to them to show up every single day and to put in the work and the effort to make this a thriving business. So 
that's why I recommend like if you're going to go into business, if you're going to go into entrepreneurship, it's better to do it with someone rather than on your own, even if it means giving up equity, even if it means making less money in the beginning, whatever. You can just go a lot further with people. It makes things more enjoyable and it gives you actually something worth showing up for rather than just yourself. It's like going to the gym. If I just went to the gym by myself, I'd probably slack off. I'd skip reps. I'd leave early. But if I go to the gym with someone else, I'm going to stay up to their standards. And for sure. You can go faster alone, but further together. Yeah. The Iron Man quote. (laughs) (laughs) Does that Iron Man even know? I think it's Robert Downey Jr. But yeah. Okay. The Iron Man. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Good role model there. All right. Andre Heichel Jr. at Andre Heichel Jr. on Twitter. A-N-D-R-E-H-A-Y-K-A-L-J-R. Andre, pleasure to have you on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. You have a good one. The big takeaway that I want you to remember from this episode is that even though Andre pivoted what he was doing a few times and not everything he did made money, he took something away from his last experience and used that to level up into his next venture. Whether it was a skill, connections, or knowledge he gained along the way, he always found a way to use what he had as a bridge to his next opportunity. The big thing that I preach on this podcast is that cult outreach is a system. Your list, your offer and copy, your outreach, your tech stack, your mindset and metrics, all of these things work together. Please know that it doesn't just stop there. All of your experience, skills, and knowledge are connected. Look for those unfair advantages that you have in the marketplace and leverage them to win. You may not have the same advantages that Andre had or that others have, but you do have advantages, right? Key into those and use those as your unfair advantage to win in the marketplace. And of course, look, it's more fun to win together than alone. So if you're looking to join a community of over 2,500 other agency owners, SaaS founders, and others who want to win with cold outreach, go to morgandwilliams.com community to join the cold outreach mastery Facebook group. It's free to join. Tons of people dropping value in there, and it's a great place to level up your results with cold outreach. And if Facebook's not your thing, you can get tons of value by joining my newsletter. Head on over to morgandwilliams.com newsletter and enter your best email address. And until we meet again, please remember, outflow equals inflow. I'll see you next time.